Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am your host, Hayden Grove. And today, in addition to being joined by our Cavaliers beat reporter, Mr. Chris Fedor, as we are every week, today we have a special guest with us. I would like to introduce Mr. Bobby Marks, who is the NBA front office insider for ESPN, spent time in the NBA as, an, as a front office member. Bobby, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate the time. I know you have a tight schedule, but thank you for making it work for us. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hayden, what is up with the Mr. stuff lately? I know. I feel like don't, don't outdate my age here. I'm only 47, you know? I like to pay – I'm a young guy. I like to pay respect. It's it's respect thing. That's All right. I know. Usually when, if you call somebody ma- ma'am, they usually look at you like the wrong way. Like, don't don't call me that. But I'll take – I won't be offended if you call me Mr. Yeah. I will because I'm still pretty young. <laughs> at least I like to think that I am. So <laughs> You're young. You're a young guy. Yeah. So, Bobby, we were just talking a little bit about um, what you've been working on. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, tell you know, our listeners what you uh, kind of what your forte is, what you kind of do at ESPN and uh, what they can look out for uh, with your work? Yeah, I mean, so prior to ESPN, I worked for the Nets for, for 20 years, um, last five from 2010 to 15 as the assistant GM. So, you know, that entails the dynamics of building a roster, the draft, which is you know, coming up within the next month, free agency, trade deadline, roster construction. Um, but since I've joined the media world, um, you know, especially the last, I guess, four years with ESPN and then uh, two years prior with Yahoo, um, I am the ESPN NBA front office insider. So pr- primarily 80% of my workload is writing, you know, um, Right now, I am. Uh, we've been putting out these off-season guides. I call them the obituaries. After every team loses, um, if you get if your favorite team, you get if you see one land on our homepage after you lose, it's not it's not good, right? Like, um, so basically, the uh, our off-season guides that we've been putting out is is a. Um, I want to put the reader in the front office of the team, kind of look at what the decisions they're going to have to make, hot topics. Um, cap situation guys or extension will look at the draft everything and anything um so that's been my busy time over the last uh two months is um the the off-season articles we're, we're getting ready for free agency that starts uh, august 3rd or august 2nd i believe uh we've got mm-hmm. the draft at the end of july um i've also been uh, as far as the draft coverage um one of the things i do that helps me prepare is um, I've been helping prepare draft prospects for their interviews. So I would say um, 
over the last, uh, since 2017, I probably have done about 200 players. Oh, I did 60 wow. last year during the uh, pandemic. And basically it's just kind of having been working for the Nets front office and now in the media, it's just kind of putting them in a, uh, a position to succeed and get them in a comfort level um, when they interview with the, with, with the, with the teams. And um, luckily I've been able to do about 35, 40 players already. So it's kind of like the balancing act of the NBA season still going on, but looking at, you know, the draft at the end of, uh, of end, end of July, because that's going to kind of sneak up on us pretty, uh, pretty quickly here. Bobby, you mentioned the draft. How do you feel like the process this year may or may not be different based on everything that has happened over the past 18 months or so? Yeah, I think um, it's interesting that we had the pandemic. Um, We had a lot of players that have put their names in the draft this year just because of the option that the the, the NCAA had where um, they'll grant you that extra year or you can put your name in the draft. If you're a guy who went to school four years, you still have to put your name kind of in the draft um, because of that, um, that one year, um, that one year window here. Um, what, what I've seen is, is, and I know a lot of people make a big deal out of it when we, when we get the early entry list and people, I, I've heard, you know, people in the media say like, man, this, who's advising this kid? Like, mm-hmm. who, you know, this, this, he's not a, you know, um, you know, draft eligible, a draft, he's not going to get drafted in the second round, but, What's happened over the last couple of years is that the expansion of the G League has really made it, um, I guess, ec- an ec- from an economic standpoint, you know, more of a pathway for players that were not going to be first or second round picks. Mm-hmm. I never want to criticize the player for declaring their, for the draft because I don't know their home life, right? Economics, right. that. But what we're seeing now is that players who declare are fine not getting drafted. Right. Like, hey, I understand. But if there's a two way contract there out there or an exhibit 10, which was kind of like a training camp invite, that is um, that's the direction that we are um, that we're we're seeing here. And um, certainly this year, there's been more players that have declared um, the G League Ignite team in um, out in Northern California that we've seen, you know, guys like Jalen Green, uh, Jonathan Kaminga play for has Mm -hmm. is a different another option for players to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, it's a lot different than it was, you know, you know, 10 years ago when, you know, the appeal, like you were basically stuck. If you didn't get drafted, it's like, you know, what now, what is my option where now there's, you know, this overtime league that, you know, we'll see how that goes, but there's a lot, lot more different options for players. Um, if they don't get drafted in the first or second round. Bobby, your job is obviously to, you know, I think that when you said that, I, I thought, well, you probably get the real, the real scoop of, of who these guys are. <laughs> you tell them how to act in front of the teams and then, but the, you get to the real scoop of who they are. Yeah, I don't, well, the one thing I always tell, tell draft prospects two things. Hey, I don't want you to be scripted, right? Like, I don't, like when I sat in interviews with uh, New Jersey and Brooklyn, when we were interviewing prospects, like you could read through players, like they're telling you kind of what you want to hear. Right. Like, I, I don't want them to be that. I want to be their true self. Like I always say, it's like having a, you're out to dinner, right? Like it's hard when you're interviewing with 30 teams and you've never met them before. Right. And you're seven or eight people at a table or 16 people on a zoom call. It is hard to kind of, um, you know, be yourself here. But um, it, the goal is that I always say it's an open book about your life, right? Chapter one. I always say chapter one is about your family. Then we go chapter 
like, you know, how you got to Texas or why are you in the draft or, you know, different maybe situations that occurred in your life. And I think that shows you, that shows teams, the personality of each player. It, it's always, when we interviewed players, when I worked for the Nets, we always, we knew the answers to the test already. Right. So yeah. we interviewed a player and there was an incident um, in college we're just trying to get confirmation from it or like, Hey, you know, we heard this player maybe smoked marijuana. Mm-hmm. Are you going to tell us yes or no that you did? If not, then, then we know that you're probably not telling the, uh, the telling the truth here, but um, I enjoy it because what it does for me is that, you know, I'm not like Mike Schmitz and Jonathan Gavoni or, or guys who you know cover the draft. Like I'm not sitting home watching nine Duke games. Like mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't have time to, you know, based on my, all everything else. So, it gives me um, an in-depth view into their personality. So when we get to the night of the draft, if there is a player that maybe is sliding, I could say, hey, um, I, I met with Lamel Ball last year. Yeah, he's 18 years old, but he's a good kid. Like, you know, he was his personality, loves playing the game. There's no red flags that I see with him. So it just gives us a little bit of more of a, a different dynamic there. Are there any don'ts that you lay out to some of those guys that they shouldn't touch on or that they shouldn't reveal? You know what? The one don't, I, it, the one question I always ask um, towards the tail end of the interview, players have gotten a lot better with this response. We're, um, we're going to draft you, and, but there's going to be a time where you're going to have to go play in the G League. Mm. Okay. Um, you know, Minutes aren't there. There's three guys in front of you. We're going out West. Um, what's your response? Well, I, I first asked, like, what, what do you know about the G League? Right. I was telling you, some people like, oh, I know, you know, hey, Fred Van Vliet was there and um, Pascal and like Monty Moore. Like they, so there's, there's a, there's a, you know, they know what it is. There are also times where I've had players tell me like, yeah, I don't, I'm an NBA player, right? Like I don't mm-hmm. belong there. Don't, you know, don't, I've had multiple players. Don't, don't draft me. You know, like that's not what I want to do. That's not why I'm coming into the league and stuff. And then I, then I kind of put, put pull out the TO. I pull out my officials, uh, you know, I put a whole, oh, okay. Then now we're, now we're, now we're going to stop the interview. Now I'm going to guide you as far as what the right answer should be. And, I always say like, it's always, it's always about embracing, right? You got to embrace the G league, especially now where most of these teams are right in your backyard, right? I mean, the Cavaliers team I know was in, um, was in Canton for a while. And Mm -hmm. now I think it's going to be at Cleveland state um, from what I read. So like, it's right there. So you could play one night or be on an active roster and then go play in a G league and play 30, 35 minutes. It's like we had, um, when I was in New Jersey, we had, our team was in Springfield mass, like, Springfield Mass is like a three-hour hike, right? So it, the funny stories are like, you know, hey, guy comes late to practice, late to the plane. You know, send him to Springfield. You know, get him out of here and stuff like that. Where now it's totally changed. I know the travel is not as it is in the NBA, but it's a true developmental system. Guys, you know, Jordan Poole is a great example. Jordan Poole of the Warriors, like, he couldn't get any playing time. He goes to Orlando, plays pretty well in the bubble. Uh, in the G League showcase. And then, like, as part of their rotation. You know, he played great in that Memphis playing game here. So um, that's my biggest thing as far as guiding them, as far as just, you know, helping them get a comfort level as far as some of the questions that are going to be asked. I don't ask the questions, and I've heard this before, hey, you're sitting in a room. How many tennis balls do you think you could fit in that room? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm thinking, like, what in the heck does that have to do with anything? Or, like, 
Um, you know, like there's all these different random things that teams try to like confuse players. I, mine is just, you know, a series of 45 to 50 questions, basically about scripted based on their life that I think teams could might want to find interesting. I remember talking to a player a couple of years ago, Bobby and Hayden, and um, I asked him one time, like, what, what was the weirdest thing that you were asked in the process? And he said some team, and, and he was a guy who kind of fluctuated with his weight. He said one team asked him for his McDonald's order. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, I, I guess. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. So, yeah. But it's, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun process, um, you know, to go through and, um, like I said, you know, last year, last year was a little different just because we had so much time, right? The draft yeah. to the end of July, where now I'm like cramming, you know, <laughs> like guys in before con the combine that starts next week and, um, you know, before the, uh, the end of, uh, I guess, July 29th when the draft is. Bobby, I mean, we've, I mean, Chris and I, we, we do a Cavaliers podcast and, uh, that means a lot of time is spent discussing the draft and discussing yeah. Yeah. The steps and, <laughs> and kind of just, we've been looking at this draft forever. Yeah. Uh, it'd be nice to get kind of a, a new perspective other than our perspective on, you know, the, on this draft and, and what are, you think the strengths are and, I mean, I think Chris and I have both come to the conclusion that if Cleveland doesn't get Cade Cunningham, that's not going to be a great thing. Uh, Cade Cunningham fits pretty well for the Cavaliers. Yeah. Um, but what are your overall thoughts on this draft, and uh, and what do you make of it? Yeah, you know, it's when you when you talk to um, when you talk to Mike Schmitz, who you know does a great job for us at ESPN. Um, he feels that the draft starts at six. Mm. That there are five franchise level players in the top five that is extremely rare right like we went um you know the one year it was zion's year was zion and ja right mm -hmm. like uh rj kind of came in on at you know third in that in that group here you never get five guys that are you know like you know it's almost like lebron's draft right lebron and wade and bosh carmelo that group like you know, sorry to Darko, you know, we could throw him in that, <laughs> that group, but you never get, and on paper, what we, you know, we're observing is between Cade Cunningham and Jalen Suggs and Evan Mobley and Jonathan Kaminga, um, Jalen Green, um, you know, guys like that, that can come in and, and um, really have an impact. Does that mean that if you're picking six or seven that you're going to get a, you know, a rotation players for the foreseeable fruit. No, it doesn't. I mean, history has shown, I mean, shoot, Matisse Tybal was picked in the early twenties and yep. earned second team all defense this year. So there's value all throughout the draft, I think this year, but if you find yourself in that top five, even if you're not at one, um, you got a chance to get a stud. I mean, like a franchise level player and you watch Atlanta, right? Mm -hmm. It can be done, right? Like it can be done. Like you don't have to keep on, like you got to build the foundation draft wise. So Trey Collins, uh, Kevin order guys like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you get to a point where like, yeah, we're, you know, we're at 30 wins somewhere. Like, what do we do next? Like Bogdanovic, Gallinari, um, the Capella trade, like right. it is possible. Like I'm telling you, it is possible to do that, but you got to get a little lucky first, right? You got to get a, I mean, part of it is luck. 
as far as getting one of those five players. It starts with that. Yeah, I mean, that, Go ahead, Chris. That, that's the thing that we've talked about too, Bobby. Um, you know, Atlanta's made some mistakes yeah. throughout the course of this rebuild. There are a lot of people that are wondering about Cam Reddish as a top 10 pick. DeAndre right? Hunter is hurt. I mean, he's played well, but was hurt, right? Exactly right. But because they have Trey, it, it in a way masks some of those mistakes that they've made throughout this time. Yeah, it, it just makes it, you know, it makes it easier. I mean, even like, like with Cleveland, with the, I wrote Detroit up over, to, over the last couple of days. And, mm. um, you know, like um, we don't know what's going to happen with Killian Hayes, right? I mean, it's kind of like we're still trying to figure out. But Sadiq Bay, right. Isaiah Stewart. And then you have like kind of like, uh, you know, we, we, they got heavily criticized, you know, when they went power forward you at the, at the, uh, at the, at, in the offseason, right? Like yep. Jeremy Grant and Okafor and Plumlee, that whole crew. But like, Jeremy Grant now, you know, would you rather have Jeremy Grant two years, $40 million or $20 million in cap space, right? So at least you have um, – he's not a franchise player, but you have some type of foundation there to kind of build off him um, that you can go out and draft and maybe the following year you have cap space and then you can kind of just fill in um, – you fill in, in, in the blanks here. But um, it's important to hit on these picks – I mean, it is critical. Like, you could just be spinning the wheels forever. Like, even in, in New Jersey, like, the years that when we had Jason Kidd um, and Richard Jefferson, um, yeah, post-Kenyon, Kenyon had gone to Denver, but Vince Carter, that group, like, we missed out on a lot of drafts. And what happened was is that it doesn't kind of creep in on you until those players get older, mm. Right. So mm-hmm. when like 2007 came and Jason was older, like, yeah, you didn't, you, you had missed out on Sean Williams and Antoine Wright and Josh Boone and Marcus Williams, right? Like that next foundation of players to be that, okay, Marcus Williams is the next line, next, our next point guard of the future or Sean Williams or, you know, Antoine, you know, those guys. And when you miss out on it, it's just, you're kind of repeating the cycle again that you hopefully have to get, you know, get a little bit lucky. In Cleveland, there's kind of this – I mean, Chris and I have talked about how the Cavaliers really haven't been lucky lately. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they were super lucky with LeBron, with Kyrie Irving, with I mean, Tristan Thompson, even like, you know, Anthony or Andrew Wiggins and um, Anthony Bennett. I mean, didn't work out well, but they've been lucky. Yeah. And the Cavaliers just haven't been lucky. But, I mean, I think the thing that the Cavs fans are kind of iffy about is, you know, the Colin Sexton, the Darius Garland. I mean, but when you look at where Cleveland picked, yeah, there really there there wasn't, and Chris says it all the time. There really wasn't much else for them to do. No, no you're, you're right. I mean, I think um, you know Collins draft like you would have loved to have been up in that top four, right? Like, mm-hmm. like that's and that's the you know that's the hard part. I mean, we talked about you know that was the Brooklyn pick, right? That was like the golden ticket. You know, yeah. like we all thought like that Brooklyn team would have been like they were the prior two years, but. What happens is like eventually you do get a little bit better, right? And then mm-hmm. you have to have that luck. So instead of staring at Luca and um, you know Trey, mm-hmm. you know Colin, you know Colin is your guy and who's certainly a, a really good player, right? But I think there's a little bit of probably a difference between where he is and maybe Luke, and of course where Luca is, right? So in um, the same with you know the same with Darius too. I mean you know Darius was a pick 
you know, certainly a little bit lower than where, where Colin is. But the hard part with rookies are you have to get to rookie contracts are great, right? Four years, right. inexpensive. But like now we get to that point where it, it caught, you have to make a decision. Yeah. You have to make a decision as far as what Colin Sexton means to you. You know, um, same like Sacramento did, Darren Fox. Like, it's a leap of faith. I always say rookie mm-hmm. extensions are the hardest. Hardest, unless you are Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell and Bam Adebayo and that group. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you're not negotiating against anybody. You're not negotiating against um, the Knicks who are going to come in and put an offer sheet on Colin Sexton. Yeah. Right. You know, you're basically, it's like, um, you know, it's basically like you go through arbitration, right? You're throwing out a number. The only deadline you have is the day before the regular season here. So for, for Cleveland, like, you know, you've got to make a decision what you, what you feel Colin is part of, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like you're going to lose him for nothing here, but are you comfortable paying him $25 million or $26 million? Or, you know, um, do you think he can get that in an offer sheet? I mean, if he plays great again, like, yeah, they're half the league will have cap space next year. Mm-hmm. Like, so then the, 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 the flip side of it is then like, you know, instead of having him for four or five years, you can come in with someone like a, one of these crazy offer sheets, like on a three year and bells and whistles and all that stuff. So um, yeah, I mean, that's there. I mean, there's, there's a lot of decisions with, uh, with, with that and it's up to the front office now figuring out if he, if they think he is a foundation piece moving forward, but if he's not, then you've got to make a decision here, right? Like mm-hmm. you've got to make a decision as far as what you want to, what you want to do. Bobby, before we dig into that, it's always great to have an outside perspective. What do you make of the foundation that Cleveland is building here? Well, I mean, I love the Jared Allen trade. I mean, I okay. think that was a no brainer, right? Considering what you had to give up for, um, you know, you basically gave it, gave up that Milwaukee first, which, you know, going to be in the late, probably late twenties. Right. And you had to take, mm-hmm. You had to take Tory and Prince. I mean, I, that move right there was great. I know you have, you're going to pay Jarrett this summer, but you know, you weren't going to have cap space to go out and get him anyway, right? Like you right. were going to be a restricted free agent. So, so I do, I do like that move. Um, you know, as far as Darius, I think has a chance to be really good. I, I really do. I just think it's a matter of like everything needs to line up. Mm. You know, there are moments where this roster, I mean, take the two Brooklyn games, right? Right. right. There are moments where you're thinking like, hey, we're making, we're going in the right direction here, right? We're building something here. And then there are moments like where you're taking like, you know, two steps forward and five steps back. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just, it's a result of injuries, right? Maybe it's the guys, um, you know, that. Maybe it's a result of you, you know, you get to a point at the deadline where you're in the lottery and all of a sudden now you're trading off pieces, veterans that could help teams. And now you're, now it's all about focusing on your younger players, the last, um, the last stretch of, uh, last stretch of the season. But I think it's critical for this roster to take a step. I mean, it really is. I mean, you, you can't, you can't be in a position to be 20 and 62. Like that, that ain't going to cut it anymore because you basically had, you had a grace period post LeBron, right? You had a, you know, um, LeBron leaves in, I think 18, right? 17, 18 was yep. the last year. 
Yep. He leaves in 18. Okay. Like, Hey, I get it. Like, I understand where you are roster wise. You have traded away a lot of first round picks because you were, you were in a win now mode, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Corver trade, you know, there was a lot of different, you know, different moves that you made during that, that time period, um, you know, taking back, um, you know, Clarkson and um, Larry and that group, like, I get it. Like, I totally get it. Like, we didn't think they were going to be a playoff team right off the bat, but now we're going into year four, right? Yep. Yep. Of this. Like, there's got to be a, a progression mm-hmm. as far as from where you were two years ago and where you ended this year. Hey, you can get the number one pick and Cade Cunningham, and we're <laughs> going to be talking about, like, hey, man, this thing's competing for a spot in the plan. Like, it changes quickly, right? Yeah, like, right. it does. Like, it really does. Um, like, the narrative changes here. Um, I do think they're on the right path. Okay. But you got to figure out what you want to do with Kevin, right? I mean, that's yeah. going to be the thing that's going to be hanging over this organization. Like, and I understood, like, when he signed and, you know, like, you, you're, you know, like, he was still playing at a high level. Um, the contract, I guess, was decl- how they set up declined a little bit here. You know, who was out there free agent wise, right? Right, right. You know, he was going to be, I think he was going into an expiring contract. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, those would get a little bit dicey. Trading a guy on expiring, what type of value do you have? Fortunately, it just hasn't worked out, right? Like, right. it hasn't worked out health wise. Certainly, it's played a big role here. But this is like we're getting in that critical stage. As I said, I think they're in the, going on the right direction. But like, if you're talking to me two years from now and we're in the same spot, like something's gonna have to change, right? Like something because teams have shown you that they can do it. Like mm-hmm. Memphis showed you, you can build through the draft. You can make shrewd trades. You can go out and get Valanciunas, but you can also get Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks and. Brandon Clark and, you know, certainly Jot too, and all those kind of fillers around you to, you know, c- kind of compete, you know, as a, you know, as a playing, a playoff playing team. Yeah. So let's say, Bobby, they don't jump into the top four in the lottery or top five in the lottery. Yeah. And they have the same kind of luck that they've had the last three years. What then is the path forward? How do they take those steps then? Yeah, I mean, you're. It's ba- it's going to be basically Isaac's de- development. Okay. Um, it's going to be you have to you need your guards to take a another step here. Hopefully, you know you go into year four and year three of the two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the observation is like, do they work together? Right? right. Like, do they fit? Like, the one thing you don't want to do is all of a sudden commit significant money to two guards and then realize, geez, this is not working. <laughs> yeah. Cause then you're in a worse position than you were, you know, two years ago. But yeah, I mean, it's all about, um, if you fall out of top five, it's going to be about well, it's player development one-on-one man, like yeah. you, player development one-on-one and, you know, I call it singles and doubles, like the trimming around the edges type deal, because you know, with Jared, with Jared's restricted free agent situation, this, this off season, um, you know, you, it's not like you're going to be in a position to go out and spend, you mm-hmm. know, like he's basically your main, um, like he's your main guy. And hopefully with, you know, you get another year with, with, uh, with JB, right. There's like the coaching carousel, you know, I think, you know, certainly that hurt, you know, you go from, you know, 
tied to beeline mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden like you're doing it again like yeah. like i'm seeing you know zion williamson's gonna be on his third coach in three years right, right. zach levine has had what like six coaches in seven or eight years and stuff like that you just can't keep on doing it right you just can't keep you got to have somebody there um but yeah i mean it, the big thing is going to be i mean i it's not the most appealing word is like a heavy dose of development and hopefully your lead guards you know, do take that next step. Do you think, um, do you think Colin and Darius can work together? I do. Uh, I, I mean, I do, I, I know certainly probably not, you know, not two of the bigger guards, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that, that guard, you know, usually you, you'd want, you do want a little bit of size, um, there. I think they can play off each other. Um, but as I said, like, are they worth, $50 million. Is it a $50 right. million backcourt? I do think, you know, certainly where they are right now, you know, in year three and year four, they can. Um, it's a matter of kind of like, all right, what are the other pieces? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, uh, Gerson Rosas, because I just was writing the Timberwolves um, article, like he made a really good comment at the end of, um, he was doing an interview with the Star Tribune and he said like, you know, hey, like I, I see when you're building roster, like you need nine guys. You need nine foundation guys, hmm. right? Like, yeah, wow. And, and it's true because, like, you look at, um, you know, Sacramento ran into this problem this year, and I think they realized it is like, you look down at that bench man, and all you got is developmental guys at the end. And like, oh, JB's looking there, like, I don't know if I can put this guy in, right? right? You yeah. got six guys, and these guys are like, yeah, you know, no offense to some of, you know, like, you know, you know, no offense, but that's the reality. So, like, if you're Cleveland, like, all right, who are your nine guys? Mm-hmm. Like, do you have nine guys? You probably have five, right? right? Something like that. So how do you go out and get those other four? Mm-hmm. Is it through the draft? Certainly if you get Kate or one of the five guys, if you're in the top five, there's one, right? Right. How do we go out and keep on adding, you know, to that group? Hey, I'd like to take a minute to tell you about how to sign up for Cavs text and analysis from me, Chris Fedor. Here's how it works. I'll text you a few times a day with the inside scoop and analysis on the team. What I'm hearing, I give it to you before things happen. Like Kevin Love being reprimanded for his outburst. Like the Cavs losing the pre-lottery coin flip to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like Lindsey Gottlieb's decision to leave. You get the juicy nuggets even before they're up on Cleveland.com. You can also text me directly, day, night, whenever, but I mean, let's not get too carried away. Still, it's a great way to cut through the clutter of social media. Try a 14-day free trial. You can cancel anytime. All it takes is one text, but you won't want to cancel. So many subscribers have joined and stayed over the last year. They love it and interact with me on a daily basis. You can too. $3.99 a month, which is less than 14 cents a day. It's a perfect time to join. It's the run-up to the NBA draft, free agency around the corner. It's a critical off-season for the Cavs. Go to cleveland.com slash Cavs, click the blue banner at the top of the page, or text me, 216-208-4499, 216-208-4499. Bobby, I'm going to ask you to put on your GM hat. If you're the Cavaliers, if you're Kobe Altman, I mean, we... we the, like the biggest issues in Cleveland that we've talked about are the Colin Sexton contract. What do you do? Like, what do you do if you're Kobe Altman? Do you, I mean, the money wise, what do you do with Colin? What do you do? You know, I mean, you can start there. Yeah, yeah. Start, start there with, with Colin. I, I'd be hesitant in offering him the max contract. Okay. I really would. I am hesitant. And I know, and, and I know 
from his agent's perspective, they'll look at De'Aaron, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a, yeah, hey, you know, like Phoenix, uh, Sacramento did it, right? Here's a guy who basically same track record, kind of no playoff experience. Teams run a lottery, um, but we're going to invest in his future, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to invest five years, um, you know, 160 million, probably $170 million will be the extension. Yeah. The big investment, right? So now it's like, all right, it's trusting your instinct. A leap of faith. Um, you know, we'll see where how it plays out in, in Sacramento. I would probably go, you know, if I in an, the, the hard part too is with, with the rookie extension, it's not like you can offer them a five year non max contract. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Now you're looking at four. Yeah. But then you're then you're then it comes down to okay, if you're Colin Sexton's people, <laughs> we'll do four, but now I want a player option on year four. So then, like, all of a sudden, instead of having him for five years, now you got him for three years. Like, mm-hmm. it's, so there's, like, that give-and-take balancing act here. Um, I, would, I would literally have him play out the year mm-hmm. if I can't get a number that I'm comfortable with. What's that number? Is it four years, $100 million? Is it four years, $110 million? Um, he still has tremendous trade value because he's, on a rest- he's restricted. Um, you have the right to match, um, but I'm not there as far as putting down the blank check. I'm just not there. Like I went through it in New Jersey. Like we went through a period, uh, the whole league did in the late '90s, where man, we were giving out these things like they were candy, right? <laughs> like these match yeah. contracts were like holy. Like and we had Keith Van Horn and Marbury, and then you know Kerry Kittle's got mm-hmm. a max contract. Like we get caught up in the word max, right? Like right. They got to be one, right? Right? Like yep. it doesn't. It doesn't. You know. You know. It doesn't change your the perception of a player, right? It shouldn't change the perception of a player. Like, hey, I'm a, I'm a max player, and you know, because my stats say it. Mm-hmm. No, I mean a max player is. Do you believe he is a franchise level, impact, high impact player? Yeah. And I'm not there quite yet. You know, with uh, with Colin. Mm-hmm. What is um, is there a number that you're comfortable with, Bobby, or you would be comfortable with? I would probably be in in that twenty three to twenty four million dollars, okay, you know, range. I think I'm, uh, you know, I'm, you know, that's where I'm comfortable. But and then then people will say like, well, wait a minute, like the max is like twenty nine. So yeah, you're what's not another too far five? off? So what's yeah. another five? Hey, I've been there before when I said, hey, <laughs> hey, the pick is in two thousand twenty four. You know, what's another? <laughs> Pick, you know, like what's another pick swap to it and stuff like that. It does start to add up a little bit there, um, you know. So, but then, what is the pulse of the player? Right, that's the mm-hmm. other thing. So, do you have a do you have a player that enters his fourth year all pissy and whiny and stuff <laughs> like that? You know, like begrudging the organization. Um, you know, yeah. you got to figure out what his, you know, what the pulse. I mean, there has to be. If there's no deal, there has to be a conversation with the player, right? I mean, like right. That's sure. part of it. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's the hard part, you know, yeah. is those non-max type guys who maybe think they are. Yeah, you know what's interesting? It's funny that you bring that up. Um, I think that's something they have to consider too. Like, Colin's the kind of guy who isn't going to mope and pout and, and be all whiny. He's going to be like, all right, bleep you. Yeah. I'm going to prove you wrong. 
Like that's the way that he's been since he came into the NBA. Like all these people said I couldn't shoot. All right, bleep you. I'm going to show you that I can shoot. All these people said I should have been traded for DeAndre Jordan or something like that in the final year of LeBron. All right, bleep you. I'm going to show you. Like he uses that as motivation and fuel as opposed to whiny pouty. And, and that might actually be a good thing for the Cavs. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, we, you know, we saw a Gordon Hayward back in Utah. Like, you know, he didn't, he didn't have a deal and shoot, like it cost Utah. Yeah. Like that's right. the one thing you cannot do. That is like, you know, like it's, it's, you know, game of Russian roulette. Like the one thing you can't do is like kind of draw a line in the sand, go out and get an offer sheet. And then he comes back with a four year with a third, with a fourth year option. Yeah. Like that's the, you know, that's the, you know, that's a killer there and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, mm-hmm. um, but at the end of the day, if he outplays his contract or if he plays well this year, a five-year contract will be waiting for him. Right. You know, that, I mean, that's the, re- that's the reality here, but it's just a matter of you having a comfort level that, you know, he's going to, because, because eventually what's going to happen is then it's going to be Darius, right? And then it's Jarrett's number. And then, you know, you know, um, Kevin's will come off the books eventually. Right. So it's just kind of like, you know, here, here are our three, you know, like you can, you know, you can defend what Denver's done, right. Jokic, Mm -hmm. Murray, and then probably now Porter jr. Right. Right. You can defend probably paying three guys max money. And Porter jr. Is a different case. I mean, that's going to be a different animal there, but you can defend that, you know, because they were, you know, in a position where they were right there playing, you know, playing Minnesota in that one game, basically playing tournament three years ago, making it to the first round, making it to a conference finals, making it to the second. Like that is defendable. It's hard to defend paying three players 20 plus million dollars and then didn't just be stuck in that nine, 10, 11. Yeah, that's hard. With uh, with Kevin Love, you, yeah. you talked about him a little bit. I mean, it's kind of that's it started off as as you said. You know, it was, you like the idea, you, it made sense, and now it's becoming less of a good thing. So, Chris and I have discussed this a lot, and it's it's a it's a really hard situation. I mean, is there any is there any way that you would handle the Kevin Love situation specifically? Well, I'm I'm usually anti buyout. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 really um, I'm not a big fan of. Um, just having money sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. Once it, you know, like I know Blake went through it and, um, you know, people are probably going to be comparing that situation to Kevin a lot. Right. What well, Blake, Blake took a $13 million discount, but I mean, Detroit's got 29 million sitting on their cap next year. Right. You're right. Like big number. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, do you still think he has trade value? I mean, that's the big thing. Do you think it's more, does he have trade value? If on a last year of his contract, you basically right. have to wait a year. You're basically going to go through the same dynamics again. Mm. Um, trade value is hard. I mean, 30, you know, you guys saw with Drummond. Yeah. Man, like thir- when guys are making $30 million and you got to take back $23 million, $24 million, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be in a position where like you have to dump him and attach something good to it. I, 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 I think you stay away from – you stay away from that if it's going to cost you a first round pick or a young, you know, one of your young players. Like, you don't need to do that. Like, you're not in that, you're not in that, you're not in Miami where you need to clear the $30 million slot to go out and get an all yeah. NBA player. Like, you're not, you're, you're not there. To, so, um, 
if you do do it, do a buyout, right? Mm-hmm. I always say, do not stretch the money. Like, <laughs> do not do it. Like, I know um, Detroit did it with a couple of guys here, but when I left New Jersey or when I left Brooklyn, um, the Nets we had bought out Darren Williams, and ba- like Darren Williams' number just came off the book like a year ago. Like oh, Joe Smith, uh, Josh Smith in Detroit, like they're still paying, like they're, they're still, still paying him. Oh my so, god! You know, you could, you know, if you own fifty million dollars, don't stretch it out over five years. Don't have ten million sitting on your books. Just right. take the hit, right? right? Bite the bullet. If it's a twenty million dollar cap hit now and a twenty million dollar cap hit next year, whatever the number, you know, you would agree on. Um, but yeah, that's. I mean, I think that's going to be a conversation that you're going to have to have with Kevin and his agent and stuff like that. He's made a mm-hmm. ton of money in his career. Is it a quality of life decision and how much is he willing to give back? And what are you comfortable from an organizational standpoint? Shoot, Bobby, the Cavs are still paying J.R. Smith. That's right, but it's only one four. So yeah, it's or one two, I think, somewhere around. It's not not too bad. Yeah, one four versus twelve. Yeah. Oh boy. That's, yeah, that's big. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I um I a GM told me um you know, this, um, Sam Presti told me this back when he, in the, you know, he's in Oklahoma city, you know, when they were going through the whole Carmelo situation, right. You know, like they, you know, they had this 20 plus million dollars and like, it's, you know, once you, once you wave a player and in, in his buyout, like you never can trade him. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like it's yeah. like, doesn't work that way. Like, all of a sudden, right. like two months from now, like you're trading 7 million in dead money. Like, yeah is sitting there it just yeah. sits there and it's staring at you uh luel D- um dang is, is staring at the lakers right like, right staring at him right now and um noah's staring at the knicks um yeah. i get it different you know certainly situation so i think you just have to be careful um as far as how you proceed if the buyout is the way to go and kind of what your comfort level will be I mean, the other big thing for the Cavs this offseason, Bobby, as you know, is Jared Allen. Yeah. They made the investment in him. They traded what they traded to get him. Now he's a restricted free agent. What do you think that contract is going to look like? Yeah, so it's funny. So we, uh, you know, just, you know, throw, talking to teams and, you know, when we talk about centers, everybody uses that, that Clint Capella comp, right? Yeah, That's, right. Right, five for 80. He's got like, I think, eight or nine million dollars or maybe $10 million of bonuses in there. Mm-hmm. I think you have to be careful with that comp because it was – that's, that contract was signed in 2018, I believe, when the cap was like 102 million. So it was lower. Yep. The cap's only gone up to 112 because of you know the economic situation here. And I think probably Capella has either outplayed or has played at his value, right? Mm-hmm. Like for me, I don't think Jared starts at like 14 million dollars, right? That's <laughs> that's that's a low number. Um, so what are you looking at from a market? Well, who are the teams out there that have cap space, right? Like you yep. can, there's a lot of way, different ways you can go about this. You can take an aggressive approach right off the bat of free agency. And so you're offering, you know, probably above market, right? Mm-hmm. So is it four years, um, $80 million, you know, you know, if, it, if it's an average of 20, right? So somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Or are you saying to the player, you know what, go out and get an offer sheet, yep. you know, go in an offer sheet and we'll see, you know, like with the intent that you will probably match it. Um, so who are the teams, you know, as you see, is it, is it New York coming in with a big offer sheet? Is it maybe Toronto? If it's no Kyle Lowry, um, Oakland Charlotte city, Charlotte, San Antonio. Um, I don't see Dallas, you know, they'll have to figure out what to do Hardaway there. 
Right. Um, you know, those there's like five or six teams with um, with cap space. So that's kind of how the how you are proceeding with that. I never buy, I never get into that 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 threat where you know agents say you know we're just going to sign the qualifying offer. It never works out. Like because right. you know what happens is you sign the the QO which is like four point seven let's say, mm-hmm. and you're leaving eighteen million dollars on the table. Well, you're you're be chasing what you left forever. Like that yep. million dollars that you left, you're considering chasing. Like I think um, Randall did it in um, I think New Orleans signed the QO. Okay. Um, the, I think Rodney Hood did it um, signed the QO. Like it never, it generally doesn't work out for him. I mean, yeah, if Luca wants to sign a QO in, in Dallas, like he'll be able to make the max mm-hmm. the following year. But um, I think that's kind of the approach with, uh, with, with Jared is that you like, you know, you know, I don't know if there's a walk away number because I don't think you can walk away. Right. Like you lose right. him and now you're like, Oh shoot, we got 10 million cap space. Great. Like, you know, how are we going to get a, a, a quality young center here? So, mm-hmm. um, the one thing is that eventually the, the cap will start to bounce back, right? It will right. start to – like we will see a gradual improvement here. Um, there will be a new TV deal coming soon, right? Three mm. years from probably like 24 around there, 23, 24 a year. Um, potentially could be a new CBA. So if you're paying Jared Allen $20 million that you think, wow, man, we, got, we're got, we, we overpaid this guy. Well, three years from that, our contract could probably look pretty good. Right. So that's kind of like the consideration of kind of how you, how I would think about, you know, going, uh, I don't, you know, I see him being there. I think he's, he's important. He's a mm-hmm. priority. Um, if you gave up three first round picks to go out and get him. Yeah. You got to go out and overpay, man. Like right. you were, like he gave up a pick that's in the 20, but mm-hmm. you don't want to lose him for, for nothing. Right. Per NBA rules, the Caps can go five years, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's free. You're, it's, it's, you know, regular contract, right? Five okay. years. You know, you're not, you're not, um, it's not an extension. So you're not restricted as far as just the four, um, mm-hmm. if it's a non max type contract. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bert, Berton signed a five year deal back in, uh, in Washington last year. Um, yeah. So Capella, as you mentioned, you know, was a five year deal. So you yeah. can, uh, you can do that. Do you think it's north of 100 then? I think it's going to be around there. I think okay. if it's a hundred, it'll probably be a five year. It'll be five years then. Right. You know, and then it's like, what's, you know, do we trade off is a player option? There's our bonuses in there, but mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's kind of what, you know, you've got to be, you've got to put, if you're Cleveland, you have to put yourself in a comfort level that, Hey, three years from now, is this contract tradable? Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's always the big, you know, um, the big thing. Like when Drew Holiday signed his extension, in um, Milwaukee, I remember talking with, with Brian Windhorst about it on one of his podcasts, and we were talking about, like, do we think that, like, if they had to trade him right now, could they trade him with four years, $139 million? I think they can because there's value in point guards, right? There's mm-hmm. value, in, value in two-way guys. So I think with Jared, you have to kind of look at that same and think, like, A, we really like him, but two years from now, we might draft, a, we might draft Evan Mobley. Sure. Right. Uh. Two years from now, Evan is a part of our future, and then he is going to be up. Can we move that contract down the road? Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing too. Like back to the draft. Like, I think you can't get cute with who you have already. Like, uh. if there is a point guard 
who is the best available and he is clear cut, right? Or a center or like, and you have one, you have one of your former draft picks there. Take the best available. Like, don't do the NFL route. Like, don't you, Hey, you know, and I get it. Like you, Hey, if you got um, Tom Brady at quarterback, you're probably not taking right. a quarterback, right? Like that's just yeah. the, the beast here. But if you have, and you know, with the draft, if there is a guy, if you're picking three, you think Evan Mobley is the best player, mm. hands down. But we need a wing. Like, take the big. Figure it out everything else later. You know, yeah. it, it, that is, you know, Jared down, you know, down the road. So if they give um, Jared something like five, 100, something yeah. like that, Bobby, do you think that ages well? And, and does the fact that Jokic is in the West and Embiid is in the East and they finish top two in MVP – do you think that increases at all the value of guys like Jarrett now moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're kind of shifting more towards the bigs, right? We went away from bigs for for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, go you know, Gobert is a little bit you know different in Utah because he is a defensive specialist, right? Yeah, so, right. I think Jarrett's probably more polished offensively um, than you know certainly where Rudy is here. Um, so I do think it will age well. I don't okay. think we're going to be in a position three years from now where we're playing all guys six, eight and below. Like, I don't think, we're, I don't think we're, I think we, we saw that for a little while. I think now mm-hmm. we're going to start seeing it kind of sh- revert. I'm not saying 90s style going back to that. Um, but I do think, I do think that contract will age well. All right, Bobby, I know you got to get out of here. You got to. Yeah, uh, we did like 56 in. minutes. I didn't even realize it. I know. Well, that's what, <laughs> hey, time flies and you're having fun. This was enjoyable, guys. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. And again, if you're just, uh, if you forgot, Bobby Marks, a front office insider for the front office insider for ESPN. We appreciate you joining us. And Chris, we appreciate you joining us as always. Thanks, Bobby. Appreciate it. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you. All right, everybody. Be sure to check out cleveland.com slash Cavs. Check out all of Chris's work. And uh, be sure to sign up for his subtext, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial, all Cavs insight analysis sent straight to your phone via text message. So $3.99 a month, go to cleveland.com slash Cavs and click on the blue banner at the top of the page. Once again, thanks to Bobby Marks. Thanks to Chris Fedor, and we will talk to you soon. Take care.